0: I'm Sarah Rose, and this is the Mind Body Academy Podcast. I'm here to teach you how to create better health from the inside out. It's not brain surgery, and I promise you can do it too. What's good everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Today, I have another awesome episode lined up for you and we're going to be talking about emotional obesity. What I'm talking about is the emotional weight that ends up holding us back in life. And I know for so many of us, when we feel weighed down by emotional struggles and by demands on our time and by taking on more and more obligations, it can be hard to digest everything we have on our plates and process those emotions that end up bloating our minds and causing our bodies very often to hold on extra weight and break down. We tend to stuff all of that stuff down and then it gets locked into our tissues, our cells, our patterns of thinking, and our very way of being. We carry it around with us and it has visible effects on our lives, but because our emotional weight is invisible, most of us don't know how to address it. And that's what we're gonna get into today. Today's topic is another topic I feel strongly about because back when I was studying psychology and behavioral neuroscience, the focus was overwhelmingly on how to treat mental health rather than on how to create mental health. There was next to zero talk about the importance of emotional fitness and emotional hygiene that all of us benefit from incorporating into our daily lives. Most of us get the value in conditioning our physical health. We can recognize that there are things that we have to do on a regular basis to be physically healthy. But when it comes to our mental and emotional health, most of us tend to experience it as something that's just there, as something that's just happening to us, rather than something we have the ability to condition and strengthen, just like our bodies. And that's largely because of the way that mental health is taught and talked about, both in academic settings and the larger cultural context that we are a part of. We are taught that mental health is something we work on, maybe, <laughs> when we have a problem. We are taught that other people are responsible for the way that we feel and that we can hurt each other's feelings. We are taught that a certain amount of money or level of success is what will determine how good we feel and how good our lives are. We are taught that the internal will match the external. And this simply isn't the case. But when we think like this, what ends up happening is we try to control our circumstances and the people around us in order to try to feel good. But when our emotional well-being is bound up in things that are external to us and things that we often have little and limited control over, it's no surprise that well-being, living well, ends up being this carrot dangled in front of the next thing and the next thing. It becomes an exhausting and miserable pursuit. This leads so many people to hide the fact that they feel bad from other people because they make feeling bad mean that there's something wrong with themselves or wrong with their lives and that it needs to be fixed before they can feel better so this episode is really for anyone who wants to experience better emotional health not on the other side of some result or transformation but in their lives right now this episode is also for anyone who wants to experience better physical health we tend to think of the brain and the body as two separate entities but really they are one integrated system What you do to your brain, you do to your body, and vice versa. So the other reason I really feel called to talk about this topic is because I feel like in the wellness industry, the message around weight loss is lose the weight now so you can transform your life after. And in my opinion, that's completely backwards. You have to transform your life now, and as a byproduct of that, you lose the weight. If you're just focused on the weight loss, you're not doing anything to resolve the inner conflict and shed the mental weight that led you to struggle with your weight in the first place. Most people think they have a weight struggle, but the struggle is rarely with the weight itself. In fact, ironically, thinking of the weight as the struggle is what ends up making it such a struggle for most people. And the reason why is because the weight itself tells you nothing about the cause of the weight gain, which is the source of the struggle which typically has everything to do with being overworked, overstressed, and overtired. Those things end up creating the conditions in which we develop an overdesire for food and it throws our hunger hormones off so we experience overhunger. And all of this drives the weight gain. You can lose weight, but if you're still overworked, overstressed, and overtired, I promise you the experience of your life won't be very different in a different body. Whether or not your grind has led you to struggle with your weight or your health, I think many of you will be able to recognize a pattern of indulging in things that aren't ultimately what you want to be doing with your life. You know, watching sports instead of playing sports, scrolling Facebook when you really want to be creating content, and creating content when you really want to be creating connection, eating junk food when you really want to be healthy. Just scan through your life and notice where you are trading off what you want now for what you want most. This is where tapping into your emotional life, even though it can seem counterintuitive, is exactly what you need to be doing. It can seem like powering through and putting that energy into something more productive than feeling what you're feeling is the thing to do. But usually that's what ends up getting in the way of us being able to do more with less stress. I think a lot of the resistance we have around emotions comes from equating emotions with emoting. These are actually two different things. Emoting means acting out an emotion. It's a visible display of emotion. When we are resisting what we feel, it's usually because on some level we don't feel like we can handle it. And we're scared that we'll be overwhelmed by the emotion. We don't want to imagine ourselves breaking down and crying and not being able to handle it. And because of this, we tend to think of emotions as bad or a sign of weakness. We tend to think of them as a deep, dark rabbit hole that we won't be able to pull ourselves out of. But typically that's just because we haven't really allowed ourselves the experience of opening up to an emotion to see how easy and relieving that can be. When you open up to an emotion and feel it in your body, Usually that emotion dissipates, because when you feel an emotion from within your body, that releases the tension around it, and that release gets communicated up to the brain. Rather than amplify the emotion, grounding in the emotion actually tempers it. By feeling what you feel, you're much more able to take action in spite of negative emotion, because you're not so stuck in it. It's keeping it all bottled up that ends up consuming you from the inside out and wearing you down. It's carrying the weight of all of those heavy emotions, like an anchor, that turns your life into a drag. People think they are worn out because they are leading busy, stressful lives. That is not the reason. The reason is because you are letting your emotions fester and your mind is stewing with mental sewage that you haven't cleared out. So many people end up tolerating their lives instead of fully engaging with their lives because they aren't willing to process what they feel. And granted many times, most people don't have the know how to even know where to begin if they wanted to. But the point I want to make is that by subscribing to hustle culture and team, no sleep and thinking our emotional well-being is on the other side of some achievement, it creates so much more reactivity. We're more reactive to the people around us, more reactive to the work we're doing, more reactive to what's happening in the world. When you're reacting to your life instead of responding to your life, you're just going to feel so much less power to go out and create more of the life you actually want to be living because you'll be fighting against the way things are right now. You'll be too caught up in your problems to orient towards what you want. Getting caught up in reactants ends up changing the way you approach things and the way that you interact with people, including yourself. Slow down and notice that. Sometimes a deep breath, the right moment, unlocks another choice. When we get present to what's happening, especially the emotion that's happening, we can make a decision as to how we want to show up. So let me back it up for a second and define emotional obesity. We have a measure of how to weigh our bodies, right? We step onto a scale, but how do we get a sense of the weight that's been on our minds? Emotional obesity is essentially these layers of ideas of how we should be living our lives in contrast to the way that we're living them now. It's the idea that we should be happy all the time or that we shouldn't feel the way that we feel in this moment. It's the idea that we should be slim and rich and successful. It's all these ideas that we've appropriated from society, culture, family, as to how our lives should be. These shoulds cause us to contract away from sufficiency and into lack. It creates what I call a deficit relationship with ourselves. The less we think we have and the less we think of ourselves, the more dense and heavy our emotions become. When we become overly focused on saving face and controlling other people's opinions and controlling the external world, because that's where we derive our sense of self, we lose touch with our lives and with ourselves. To believe that there's somewhere better to get to than where you are right now, to believe that there's someone better for you to become, in the sense of more worthy than who you are right now, these beliefs cause tremendous suffering. And that suffering gets in the way of our ability to live our lives well. A lot of the emotional obesity that we're seeing with this crisis of mental health across the world right now is due to the fact that there are so many false and fast pleasures at the end of our fingertips. When we didn't have all the modern conveniences we had today, there was no distracting away from boredom or frustration or pain or any of what we were feeling. There wasn't such a knee-jerk reaction to negative emotion or the sense that we had to get rid of it right away. On a basic level, negative emotion was seen as a part of life. But today, all you have to do is scroll through social media to get this sense that the people we aspire to be like are happy all the time. I'm drawing your attention to this because most people today think that being emotionally healthy means being happy. And I want to offer that this is a false equivalence. It's the same thing when it comes to conflating being skinny with being healthy. When we make those things mean the same thing, it actually creates more unhealthiness, because it gets in the way of our understanding of what to do to create better health. So let me volley this question over to you. Do you consider yourself emotionally healthy? And how would you define that? Is this something that you've ever even thought about defining for yourself? All right, now let me unpack this for you and explain why capturing this difference between happiness and emotional health in our definition of emotional health is so, so, so important. Our brains operate according to the pleasure pain principle, move away from pain and move towards pleasure. In more primitive times, and even, you know, 50 years ago in human history, these impulses were kept in check by our environment. When we were seeking pleasure, it wasn't everywhere available the way that it is now. So now we are over-seeking pleasure. We're overeating, we're over-drinking, we're over-netflixing, we're overspending. We are over-stimulating ourselves with comfort and pleasure. And this is causing ourselves all kinds of problems with our physical and mental health. We are doing everything we can to avoid any sort of pain and discomfort. On the surface, it can seem like, what's the problem with that? The problem is, and the case I want to make for pain and discomfort, is that we are now pleasuring ourselves to the point of laziness and inaction. The discomfort we are resisting is the discomfort of growth and evolving. It's like when you are training a muscle. It's those last reps when you really have to push through some pain that grow the muscle, that builds your strength. Purposefully, and I emphasize the word purposefully, putting yourself in uncomfortable conditions is what you need to be doing in any field of human endeavor. This is what expands your threshold and your capacity for discomfort, the discomfort of growth versus the discomfort of stagnation. I think that this is one of the most valuable skills you can cultivate as part of your emotional health. Too many people are challenged by having a reverence for the time it takes to work through discomfort, to get themselves to where they want to be. It takes time to see the maturity of your abilities and the fruits of your labor. You have to be willing to put in the work without getting caught up in getting the result right away. When you have a low tolerance for emotional pain, it makes you be in a hurry because you're trying to get out of pain as quickly as possible out of that emotional discomfort that urgency often prolongs the emotional discomfort because emotional well-being which is just another way of saying emotional health is what is cultivated by processing negative emotion and it's achieved on the other side of stabilizing in emotional states that are conducive to growth and having the emotional elasticity and flexibility to snap back into those states today We have to learn to delay seeking pleasure until after we've opened ourselves up to working through some discomfort, because otherwise we end up making that trade-off between pleasure and well-being over and over again, to the point of perpetual stagnation or regression. When you're trying to be happy all the time, you can't open up to that discomfort. It's resisting suffering, resisting discomfort that ends up creating so much more suffering and discomfort. That's why I believe that the belief that we should be happy all the time has really done us more harm than good. The thing that I've noticed in my own life is that when you don't feel so negative about the negative, it's not that the negative goes away, but you don't fester in it. And so to that point, there's an important difference between genuinely being good with the bad and trying to be positive. When people are trying to be positive, it often leads them to reach for false pleasure. And what I mean by this are things that will alter your emotional state. So food or alcohol or any of those wants and desires that feel compulsive. I want you to recognize how you feel after you indulge in them. If they make you feel worse, I want you to start to think of them as false pleasures, kind of like junk food. These are the habits and behaviors that are really toxic to your emotional health. These are the things that you do telling yourself that they make you feel good or happy, but really it's your primal conditioning that's taking over and pulling you away from what you truly desire that would allow you to live well. And I remember that for myself. I used to feel like I love, love, love anything sweet and carb heavy and sodas and all of the things. I felt like those things made me happy. I really believe that. And it was such a struggle back then because I felt like I had to make myself unhappy to lose weight and become happier. Saying it out loud like this, you can probably hear how messed up this logic is, except I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought like this, or maybe you can relate to that right now. Happiness is a state. It's something you have to get good at generating for yourself to be able to get good at stabilizing in it. It's not dependent on the food or your weight. It's dependent on you. But most of us can't depend on ourselves to make ourselves feel good without something external like food or our appearance matching what we want it to be. And when we're dependent on those external things, our compulsive desires start to stand in for our truest desires. When we learn to flip that switch and decondition our desire for immediate gratification, we learn to delay gratification. We can desire so much more for ourselves we can align our desires and, ad- and our decisions for the life that we actually do want. The way to separate out a compulsive desire from a true desire is to play it all the way out into the future. If you satisfy that desire, will it allow you to be more of who you wanna be afterwards? If you think of desire as fuel, does it lead you to show up and take action the way that you wanna be doing those things? So on the back end of giving into an urge to check social media or eat a whole bunch of sugar or down a whole bottle of Sauvignon Blanc or whatever it is for you, when you feed that urge by complying with it, does it make you feel heavy or does it make you feel light? And does that feeling allow you to feel an integrity with yourself, more connected to yourself? Understand that those urges don't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It's just your primitive brain doing its thing, running its operating system, but you need to be aware that this mechanism is at play so that you can create the checks and balances that upgrade that operating system. You need to be able to project yourself out beyond the desire for immediate gratification to align with what you want most and condition the neural pathways that support the habits and behaviors you want to be engaged in. The way that I teach people how to do this is by teaching them how to allow their emotions and desires. Let's dig in and understand this because most people don't get what I mean by allow. Allowing your emotions and allowing your desires means not trying to brush them off or get rid of them or fix them or repress them or punish yourself for having them. When you can be with an emotion, really get present to it without reacting to it and long enough to understand it, You empower yourself to take charge of your emotional well-being in that moment. You don't have to try to control or change your circumstances or grab anything external for you to start feeling better. And by feeling better, I don't necessarily mean feeling good right away. I mean giving yourself permission to feel what you feel. When you do, you can start to separate yourself out from the emotion that you're having. When we're identified with an emotion, like I am stressed or I am depressed, that emotion can really take over. When you can witness yourself having the emotion, you won't just be at the effect of it. So often when we feel bad, we scan for something external to explain and justify the way that we feel, and that usually ends up making us feel worse. But when you spin the attention inward and just center your attention on how the emotion is being experienced in your body you can really get present to the fact that all emotion is just vibration and sensation. That is it. Vibration and sensation. It's not a solid identity. It's not stuck. There doesn't have to be a reason for it. So stop trying to use your mind to process through emotion and rationalize your way out of it. Emotion is there. It's happening in your body. When you bobble down from your head and all the thoughts that you're having, Whatever is alive for you in your body just is. It's just the way you feel right now. And when you can bring presence to that and let it be, there's relief in that. By detaching from the emotion, it can let go of you. You give it space to do that. You don't have to do anything to try to let go of it or change it or fix it. You can just breathe into it and give yourself permission to feel it all the way through. You can look at yourself and witness yourself having the emotion which releases you from it. For example, you can feel desire for junk food without trying to not have desire for it. That way, you're not resisting it or simply being at the effect of that desire. You want some junk food? So what? Experience that. There's absolutely no harm in the desire. It's resisting the desire that makes it so compulsive and leads you to give in to the reaction to it. Because then you end up justifying it to yourself and indulging in it. You're like trying to explain to yourself why you want it. Oh, I had this long day or this or that thing happened. Maybe just a ticky bit. And this is very different than allowing yourself to feel some desire, getting curious about it, being willing to experience it and carrying forth. When you can just feel what you feel with acceptance, that's what allows you to carry on without being thrown off by what you feel and catapult it into a reaction. A great way to think about this is like coming down with a cold. You can focus on fighting the cold, or you can focus on helping yourself feel better. You can help the healing along, but it's going to take the time that it's going to take to recover. When you just accept that, it makes it so much easier on yourself. You don't have to get mad at yourself for coming down with a cold. You can ease off. It happens, just like our emotions happen no big deal. You're a human. Getting sick and feeling blah and desiring things that we're wired to crave is part of the deal when you're a human. Accepting that gives you back the freedom to decide how you want to be with the parts of your life that you don't feel good about or that you don't feel good in. Can you let those parts of life, of your life, be okay? The reason it's so important to learn how to do this is that you can't change or be at peace with what you haven't accepted. You can't let it go. This is so important for emotional health. This is what leads people to feel stuck emotionally and pack on that emotional weight. That's because the precursor to acceptance is awareness. And you can't change what you don't have the awareness to know needs your attention. When we're fixated on what we see as a problem, the cause of the problem is often shuffled into our blind spots in the background of our awareness. That's why we're so outwardly focused. So let's say you feel stressed and you think your job is the problem. You might change jobs to try to feel less stressed. There's nothing really wrong with changing that circumstance if you can, but it doesn't develop the skill of emotional fitness and emotional health, which we need in the situations where we can't change our circumstances. It's not the job change that then went on to cause you to feel less stressed. It's the way that you started thinking about your new job. And I'm not saying that you might not want to feel stressed about that first job. I just want you to be aware that it's a choice. We can't see that choice when we think the job is the problem, and that's the problem. When you're resisting the stress and in a hurry to get rid of it, you can't understand it. You can't see why it's such a problem for you. When you spend time with an emotion, you can get to know the reasons why it feels bad. Is it because of how you're tensing physically around the experience when you try to resist it? Is it because you disconnect from it or from yourself in order to avoid it? Is it because of the fire hose of thoughts that you have about it? What is it? When you become intimately aware of those reasons, You'll have this self-awareness to know feeling less stressed is available to you now by the way that you think and by the way that you give yourself the space to process through the emotion physically. It's an inside job, independent from the job. And you may release some of that stress and still decide to change jobs. But if you have this awareness, you won't be making it your job's job to regulate your stress levels. You won't have to wait until you change jobs to experience less stress. Are you starting to see what I'm saying? I feel like a few of you might have blown a fuse or two. (laughs) This is a lot of good information, and it's a good thing if you feel a little overloaded. It's just your brain shifting gears. The point I'm making here is that acknowledging how you feel and allowing yourself to feel it enables you to be more responsive towards the things that you're seeing as a problem in your life. And the effect of that is immediate. It creates more choice and control gives you the perspective to know what you need to know in order to let go and let live and move forward. It breaks down the emotional density that we are otherwise prone to carry with us. And I want you to notice how easy it is to carry emotion with us. Stress is a prime example of this. We tend to just take it on and take it on and tolerate it and spread it around like Oprah giving out free cars. You get some of my stress and you get some of my stress tends to get displaced onto people around us and carry over to all the different areas of our lives when we aren't processing it through, everything becomes heavy. Processing through emotion is a skill. It's the skill we need to develop in order to experience emotional health. The reason we do or don't do anything is because of how we are processing emotion. If there's a habit you want to break or a habit you want to create, you need to know this skill and it is a skill. It's something I work on very early with my clients because it needs to be practiced over and over again. This is emotional fitness and it's very challenging when you're new to it. You can't just intellectually get this and be done with it. So what I want to leave you with is the invitation to simply start practicing staying with an emotion and allowing it by describing it. What does that emotion feel like in your body? Open up to it. Instead of pulling away, get in close and breathe with it. Can you be with those sensations for just right now? If the answer is no, notice what happens in your body. Notice what it's like to resist an emotion. Instead of trying to change what's going on outside of you, start from the inside out. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you this week. As always, if you want support with anything you've been learning right here on this podcast, reach out and book a free call with me. The link is in the show notes. I would love to hear where you're at and help you move the needle in the direction you want to be going. Be well, live well. I'll talk to you all again very soon. Kind of wish life came with a refresh button. Join the Genius Body Detox to start looking and feeling your best in as little as 30 days. Just click on the link in the show notes or visit thegeniusbody.com and let's start fresh today.